mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we thank you, Lord, for delivering your people from the power of darkness. This is the season that we remember the eternal sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, who made it possible for each and every one of us to be freed from our oppressors and freed from sin. So we thank you, Lord, for the ultimate sacrifice that you have made And we receive it. We partake of the gift of salvation and deliverance and healing, prosperity, everything that's purposed by the power of your blood. And we honor you and we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. So um, we're going to talk today. We're going to continue. We started yesterday and we talked about the fact that every gift requires a sacrifice. And... uh, I think it's, it's kind of uh, amazing to me that people can be called into a, a new life, a new essence, a new being, our new creation person. We're called into that, yet sometimes we fail to recognize that we have to learn how to live this new life. And your life here on earth is a continual learning of how to live this new life. And it's a blessing that God continues to teach us uh, the necessary things so that we can have success here. We can have uh, all of the things that he's ordained for our lives are possible uh, because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so it's a good thing to desire to learn it's a good thing to enjoy learning it's a good thing to enjoy understanding who you are it's a everyday learning process in God Uh, you never get to the place where you have attained uh, all of what he has for you because you graduate on to heaven and I am told that in heaven uh, there is learning there as well learning things about God and about eternity and and all of the things that open up to us when we get into that last dimension of life, of eternal life. But we have eternal life dwelling in us right now, and so the Holy Spirit teaches us about that life, how to live that life successfully and how to live that life 100% for God. One of the things that I see consistent throughout Scripture is the... um, the um, uh, institution of sacrifice as a way to God's heart. Amen. Uh, it started with Adam and Eve in the garden. When they obeyed God, there was no need for sacrifice. But the Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. Amen. So God says, I don't really want sacrifices, but they're necessary. Got me? And so that's the only way we have to shed the veil of the flesh so that we can enter into God's presence and into his knowledge and into his wisdom. There are some things that will come to us by experience that we don't really understand. And that's God too. But the things the Bible says, the things that are revealed are for us and our seed and our seed seed. But the secret things still belong to the Lord. So there are some things that God uh, will will have to withhold from us, but the things that he makes available, he holds us responsible to know those things. Sometimes if you have problems, that's an indication of lack of knowledge. And so God will come in and fill in that 
that knowledge gap and impart to you understanding. He'll impart revelation. He'll impart knowledge. Um, sometimes it seems like they're infrequent. You know, you get something from God here and then maybe a week later, two weeks later, a month later, something else. And then there comes a time where your knowledge begins to accelerate. Amen. So that it's it's like uh, uh, 24-7. And that really depends on uh, your connection to God. If you're uh, connected to God, then he can offer revelation to you uh, 24-7. Some of the things that God allows to happen in our life are allowed so that he can have this connection, this consistent connection. And, you know, a lot of people, now your faith people will tell you that's not necessarily true or they don't have much to say about that. Or, you know, the old people used to believe that, but us newfangled folks, we got a shortcut to obedience. This is really what it is. Because many times... We have difficult times, and those difficult times cause us to cling to God. Huh? You ever feel like, you know, I believe God and I've been doing everything I'm supposed to do to please God, yet whatever it is I'm looking for to be removed from my life is still here. Anybody feel like that? Then you know what I'm talking about. See, God has designed a method for us to draw near to him so he can draw near to us. And that nearness makes him desire to hold us there. But he's not holding you there beyond your qualification, so to speak, for your blessing. He's holding you there out of love. See, that just comes with the territory of drawing near to God. Uh And there may be times where you'll be held close to God beyond where you think is necessary for you to get your healing and get your deliverance and get your car, get your man, get your woman, get your... Man and woman? I don't know. Just mess with y'all. Wake up. Quit going to sleep on me. Quit going to sleep. I quit going off. <laughs> now everybody's awake. But y'all know what I mean. You've been there. Or uh, you, you do everything you know to get your ministry off the ground. And God will have you do something. And you just feel so wonderful. God used you and you're looking forward to more and more. Never shows up for three more years. And you think, well, God, look at all these people going to hell every day. How come you don't use me? And how come you... But you'll notice that because you feel like you, you should have it already, you're constantly bugging God about it, right? That's what he wants. I know it don't sound right to y'all. Huh? I <laughs> I know it don't sound normal. Sounds a little twisted in a way, don't it? Huh? 
that he would mess up my life like this or let my life get messed up just so we could be close. But then reflect back on what you had everything, you was doing everything, you was all cool, huh? It was all good in the hood. And how close were you then? Blasphemy in the house of the Lord. He said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. But he didn't say he'd let you go. See, what we want is we want to get our stuff and get let go. So we can go kick it. Huh? I'll be praying for, I remember that song. Uh, y'all be praying for your, your dream car. Thank God for my 20s on my Escalade. I said, oh, what have we uncovered here? Huh? Right. You're just tooling down the road. Huh? So God has his method of getting everything accomplished. Because you know what? When you get close to him, you start losing. Mm-hmm. See, sometimes he's holding you close now to to spare you from future pain. Because the closer you get to him, the more you lose your desire for. Mm-hmm. Now, if this is a revelation, just write it down, sweetie. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, it 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 spares you future pain. There are some revelations you get from God that will insulate you from attacks of the devil that he's planned for a long time. You understand what I'm saying? You didn't just dodge a bullet, you were insulated by your shield of faith. Because the closer you got to him, the more your faith in him and you got comfortable Sharing things with him that you used to try to hide from him because you were ashamed you didn't believe the way you were supposed to believe. See, when you pour your heart out to God, that's something that that's intimacy. Huh? Some people are so desperate for intimacy, they'll invent problems just so they can have some some a reason to talk to somebody. That's how psychiatrists make their money. Now, I'm not saying they don't help people. But he can't take the place of the pastor or the parent or the spouse. You've got to have relationship with people in order to survive. And in order to make your life livable and enjoyable, there's got to be a pleasant people factor in there. And many people skip that, but then they got to go and, and, and have a, an outlet with somebody. So that's why the support group show up and the this group shows up and the that group shows up. I was a frequenter of several self-help groups. I was in every anonymous group that they had. Uh-huh. Depression Anonymous, 
Suicide Anonymous. Everything but overeaters because I was was too nervous to eat. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But I clung to that because that was where I found help. But I realized that my help came because I felt like they understood me. And I decided one day, maybe I should spend more time with God and getting him to understand me. And me to understand him. So that I could get a permanent cure. Because I saw that he delivered and he healed. And none of my self-help groups ever promise that so I just quit the self-help things and say well God I'm going to trust you best decision I ever made though they did help me in a natural sense got me to learn some principles of how to keep going which helped me now even with persecution and, and you know all the things that the enemy does to stop us I understand that that there's a no stop inside of me that used to not be there Amen. So so God had to put that there and show me how to use that for everything that I needed in life. And so God has a, a way to get us off of whatever natural thing that we're on and get him over on, get us over on him where we belong. See, you belong to the great physician. You, do, you belong to the almighty God, you, the El Elyon, the possessor of heaven and earth. You have an inheritance waiting for you. Have had it all your life. But, but we gotta get close to him to tap into it. Cause it requires love. Huh? So that's all God's doing is showing us how to love him and and be loved by him and not be afraid of his love. Oh, Pastor Bart, don't say that. Afraid of God's love. I love me some Jesus. I know you do. Huh? In a limited sort of way. But do you love him enough to let him have total control of your life, period? Not control for a certain amount of time. Not control until you get this. Not control until you, but period. That's the kind of love we're talking about here. And it is a divine love because there's no human that you will ever trust like you trust God. He won't make it possible. He'll make it so that everybody will fail us. That we're trying to get to take his place. Man. And then you, you find the real thing, baby. And he doesn't want you to leave. He wants you to abide with him. He says, if you abide with me, my word abides with you. You can ask whatever you will and I'll do it. Huh? You can't get that out of a good husband. Or wife. Right, Poppy? That's right. You know what I'm saying. People can promise, but they don't have any bloodshed to back it up. Got me? You need something that shed blood. You need somebody who shed blood for the things they're promising you in order for you to have that 
you know, get up every day and your symptoms are still there and you keep loving God anyway. Get up every day and the car still don't run right and you just keep loving God anyway. Because he loves you even more. Amen. So that's the kind of sacrifice we're talking about here. Is abandoning your control over everything and allowing God to have his way and believe that it's the best way. If you don't believe it's the best way, you'll continually fight God. You'll continually wrestle with him for control over everything that you've submitted to him. When the going gets tough, you'll go right back like Peter went fishing. You know, when the Lord here, the Lord was raised from the dead and, you know, all that good report. and He just went fishing again. Amen. So he needed resurrection faith. And, and we have that in us if we'll stay with it. But it scares us to let everything go and let God have. See, it's like, well, what's what's there for me? Faith says it's worth the wait to see what's in it for me. So you, we have to live every day that way, folks. It's worth the wait to see what's in it for me for the quote-unquote sacrifice I'm making. It's really not a sacrifice. We we gain so much from it. But it has to be done because God has to put us through the process of letting go. So it's got to be done. You can't just say, well, God, I trust you, I love you, I believe you. And then when he takes all your toys away, you understand what I'm saying? Because most people react, they start rebuking the devil and Satan get thee behind me. God wouldn't do this. Then you want to go up to the altar for another prophecy. Huh? And God loves you. Sometimes he won't reveal to the prophet what, what he's doing in your life. You're going to have to seek him. Huh? You've got a relationship. You can. <laughs> huh? And what happened with uh, the widow woman whose son died, Elijah, said he sent Gehazi to run ahead. And he said, something's wrong with her and God's hidden it from me. See what I'm saying? So you just can't go up to the altar and get your word to solve everything. Especially if you're prone to disregard the word that you get. So God wants us. He He is already planned for your close encounter with him. Amen. He's already planned it. In my life, it was five years of depression and, and suicidal thoughts caused me to cling to God. Why five years? It took five years, okay? Can you shorten it? I wouldn't try to. Why would you want to? see that's for all the instant miracle people see you can be in the will of God and have symptoms in your body have negative things happen in your life you can you be as close to him as the saint that's riding on cloud nine whoever that is I don't know them people people I know live for God every day 
Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we want to give up. But I can tell you by the time the process is done, the give up is gone. The struggle is gone. You're an obedient little sacrifice laying on the altar. Amen. And you know that's the place where you're called to be. Nobody can rush you past this. God won't let them. You're not there for other people's comfort. You're there for God. Got me? Many people won't understand what you're going through. But it's not for them. It's between you and God. You got me? You're going to a place they know nothing about. And oftentimes we don't either. But we're on our way. Amen? Praise God. Amen. So the purpose for our gift, we talked about uh, our gifts being given by God. We don't have any control over them. They include our talents, our abilities, our calling. Sometimes your gift is your natural inclination towards something. Everything has to be given over to God because he gives it to you for a purpose And that is to alleviate human suffering and to help humanity. So we are here as helpers for one another. So your best prayer is something that includes helping someone. And it may be somebody you don't know. It may be somebody that God wants to sustain through your gift, through your ability, through your understanding through your generosity, through your heart. Sometimes it's gifts that are are, are um, technical type gifts. There are many people who are gifted to uh, know how to do uh, graphic design and uh, things of that nature. Uh, and, and God will oftentimes gain control over that so that you can't have control of it. You know, don't make any plans beyond God on these things, folks. Because, you know, it's nice to be be self, self-supporting self in your gift. But if it doesn't come or it comes for a season, it dries up again. You know, don't curse anybody. Don't curse God. Don't get mad. Don't get upset. Don't get and, and certainly don't take your own way out. You got to go get even closer to God. You know, these people that, that are multi-millionaire business people, like the Cathay family, Chick-fil-A family, the, uh, uh, the, uh, there was a gentleman, ah, I'm trying to think, Earth Mover. Uh, Laterno, you may not know him, Ray, but they, he had the, um, I think he sold all of his technology to Caterpillar or somebody like that. He was a, a very committed Christian. He started several Christian universities, but he said that if God would bless a man on the 10th, he would bless him 10 times as much on night. He lived off uh, his tithe. He lived off 10% of what he made. And he gave the 90 to God. And they said his his mind was so sharp in revelation. Now, 
like in your in your work, Ray, if you, if something breaks down, you have people who know how to fix it. They've been trained how to fix it. But he had invented these things, and he would go through the plant, and if they would tell him something was wrong with something, he'd sit there and sketch out a redesign and get it totally revamped and done over just in hearing about the problem. That's how close God was to him. And nobody was like him. He just totally revolutionized that industry. Heavy, all the construction, heavy equipment. You tell me that won't make you a bunch of money? But he didn't want the money for him. He already made up his mind how he was going to work things, and he never deviated from it. And he managed to give away 90% of his income to a Christian churches, built a lot of churches, charities, all kinds of stuff he did for God in his lifetime. But he let God have total control over his gift and his ability. And his gift became his servant in his business. You got me? Instead of dominating our lives the way we we have uh, gifts do, he allowed that gift to be given over to God and that gift served him. So you can either be the servant to your gift or you can give it to God and let God let that gift be your servant. Your gift can be a dictator in your life if you don't know how to let God manage things. And so if your gift isn't producing the way it needs to produce for you, you need to talk to God about it. Say, God, you gave this gift to me. I'm giving it back to you, and can you help me not put my hands on it again until you get <laughs> Huh? I mean, if push comes to shove. Because one of the things that people pe- people look at as failure, some things uh, surrounding their gift, like for instance, ministers. Everybody wants full time ministry, like it's it's a higher level of calling. When we've got Bible evidence that's not that's not true. If you if you mean by full time ministry. That you don't work a secular job anymore, and that's what most of them think about. When you say full-time ministry, that means full-time saints bugging you all the time. Full-time, you can't do what you want to do all the time because God is calling you to do more things. See, they never look at the work aspect of it. They look at, I can tell people I'm a full-time preacher and I don't have to go hit a nine-to-five. Like it's a status thing. If you're looking to your gift to give you status, you're barking up the totally wrong tree. Totally wrong tree. The Apostle Paul had time to write two-thirds of the New Testament. He was an apostle who managed and served the churches. Not like these Facebook apostles. I said, well, how many churches do you govern? How do you, how does God help you to govern your churches? Oh, I just start them and give them to somebody. Somebody who? Any somebody? Do you train these people? Are they properly called? Have you invested anything spiritual in them? Or are you just running around saying you're something? Grabbing a title because you want to impress somebody with it. 
See, we've got a lot of bruised, broken, unfortunate, and mishandled people out here who are looking for status. And they don't care if they get it at the expense of the saints. The most precious people in the world are the saints of God. He'll tell you to do things for the household of faith first. You mean before my kids? But what did I say? Huh? That's why you have preachers' children that are jealous of the congregation because they think they get too much of daddy and mama's time. Huh? But daddy and mama just trying to find, trying to flow with the word of God. And so we can all live. <laughs> Amen. But Paul made tents. He didn't beg for nobody's money. He told him when he, when he said that he would come and receive an offering, he told them, he said, lay it up before I get there. So nobody will feel manipulated when I come. So he didn't ask for it. He says, you set aside whatever it is and I'll distribute it to the other churches. He let them know. He said, not that I need anything from you, but you need to give to me so that God can bless you. And he wasn't being boastful. He wasn't being arrogant. He's just telling the truth. But even with him working with his hands and making tents, he was still able to get the revelation to write two-thirds of the New Testament. So he beats full-time ministry any day of the week. You understand what I'm saying? But if you if you see laying down your gift for a season and working a regular job as something to be avoided, think again. If that's your motivation in doing what you do and wanting to have your own business or wanting to have whatever it is your gift is taking you toward, if you see having to lay it down and go back to work as a problem, you better think again. Because it may be a requirement for where God wants to take you. It may be a requirement. I'm going to say it again because the walls just barely heard me that time. It may be a requirement. We do a lot of things because we get pressured by the world system into thinking like the world. But sometimes you do need to lay it down and say, God, you know what? It's not working the way I thought it was supposed to work. I'm giving it totally back to you. I don't have to do nothing along these lines for a long time till you tell me it's time to pick it up again. It'll amaze you what God will do with things. Amen. So your purpose is for service, not attention. Attention will come, but the glory must go to God. And you don't have to rebuke people who tell you, encourage you or whatever, but in your heart, in your conversation, your relationship with God, you understand what I'm saying? You can say thank you if somebody encourages you or compliments you. But but you need to talk to God about that. God, I'm I'm feeling this in my flesh. Huh? I'm feeling kicky. Huh? Now I don't want to feel that way. 
I want you to be glorified in everything that I do. And he will be. Amen. So he said your gifts are given to help humanity. If everybody used their gift for its purpose, boy, would we have a life. Amen. But we got selfishness in there. It's given to solve problems. Go inside sometimes and try and capture God's thoughts when situations come up. He will give you an answer of peace at all times, but he will work the problem out for you as well. He definitely will work it out for you. He will bring comfort and peace. He will bring, uh, the your gift is given to bring comfort and peace, also to improve the quality of life, to bring salvation and health. But your gift does require a sacrifice for its full development. Yeah, I just wonder, sometimes those of us who really understand God and understand the richness of living for God, if, if sometimes we could just see people, you know, like homeless people, and just go up to them and say something like, Brother, did you know you have an inheritance waiting for you? And I'm here to tell you how to get it. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, if we really understood kingdom life and living, we wouldn't have to give a, a memorized canned speech to people. When, when we see him on the streets. You know, God is, has, has allowed me to say things to people I never thought I would say before. Because I realized the canned speeches weren't working. And so I decided to obey the word and open my mouth and let him fill it with, it's open your mouth and let him fill it. Not memorize your testimony even, a canned speech even, or anything like that. Sometimes your testimony make people run out of the room. Huh? I've had it backfire on me a couple times. We said, oh, really? Oh, I just feel so bad for you. I said, well, that wasn't the right thing to say. But see, you learn. But if we can just, and whatever comes out, we start working with it. You understand what I'm saying? Just let it fly and let the Holy Spirit direct the conversation. Because you have no, no idea what that person needs. But see, that's part of the sacrifice. To come into a situation to work for God and have no plan, no agenda, no nothing. See, sometimes we can be so, oh God, use me. I want to witness to somebody. And then we start eyeballing people to see if we think they need God. See, we've all been there. But see, we're on the road to getting closer to God, sacrificing your want to know how to do stuff. <laughs> it's amazing what God knows about people. It's amazing what he can. William Branham was, was one of those prophets, and he would explain to people why God gave him the word of knowledge and would reveal the secrets of men's hearts to them. And 
I say this without sounding like I'm messing with somebody. You know, there have been people who have had what I would call similar gifts, but not with the same purpose and intent. Like we've had people that we call prophets who could tell you your address, your phone number. But there was no miracle at the end of it. There was just information. Well, see, William Branham said that God told him, he said, I will give you knowledge of the intents of man. I will reveal men's hearts to you as a a way to open the door to faith so that they can believe that I sent you and that you're anointed and they will receive their healing or their miracle or whatever. So then you have people who can give you all that information, but there's no miracle on the other end of it. But see, I don't believe the gifts of God are given for that reason. They have a purpose to them. You already know where you live. So I'm not giving you anything that you don't know. But you're getting a witness in your heart. And and people would, would stand there. You'd see them. If you get some of them old films of his, there are people standing there. And he said, now, ma'am, you have... Uh, uh, you just came, you drove six hours to get here. You came from so and so, yes. And you have so and so, yes. And God told, and he said, the doctors have told you that you have an incurable disease. Yes, that's me, that's me. He said, well, God says you're healed. And they get out and they would be healed. And then, you know, and God gets glory out of that. See, I'm trying to give you some discernment on gifts and how to tell the difference between the gifts of God have purpose behind them. So if you're a person who understands purposeful behavior, you know, I'm not going out here to let people know how gifted I am. I'm going out here to serve humanity somebody needs Jesus in a big way today so we're we're talking about the cost of this getting a purified gift some of the the old time healing evangelists and healing ministers uh, like A.A. Allen said that he he kept pressing into God for healing power and God gave him a list, I don't know how many things, 10 things, 7 things on a list. and He shared all of them but one. Why don't you share the last one? Because uh-huh. once it's revealed, it's not a secret thing anymore. Would have kept, you know, it might have something to do with how his ministry ended up. Huh? He went back to drinking. Huh? Sometimes if you try to withhold things that God is freely, he said freely you've received, freely give. I mean, why share any of it if you're not going to share all of it? You see? You start trying to control things that are freely given of God just a thought okay I'm not going anywhere with that but it's just something that I think about sometimes so anyway there's a cost to it 
sometimes the cost is sharing with other people what God's given you freely instead of trying to withhold so that you can keep yourself in a certain category. Got me? There's, there should be no covetousness in God's house. You know what I'm saying? He gives it to you freely and he gives you the unction, the grace to speak it out, you know, to go ahead and share it. Look at all the believers that could benefit from understanding how to walk in healing power that maybe don't have it because others didn't take time to share. Just a thought. So anyway, we're going to talk about the price. In 1 Kings chapter, I think it's 19, let me see. This is Elisha's call to the ministry. Oh, 1 Kings. It's it's not often that a call of God documented in the Bible does not start off with a sacrifice. Got me? Abraham had to leave his familiar surroundings. So he had to cut himself off physically, emotionally, support-wise, everything from his, his support system. So he was left out there, totally dependent upon God. First uh, Kings 19. This is Elijah after he has slain all the prophets of Baal. He's exposed Ahab and Jezebel. And he decides that he doesn't want to do this anymore. So to be honest with you, for as powerful as Elijah was and the way his ministry ended with him being taken up into heaven, it was fairly short. But it was dynamic and powerful. It was essential. And I say that just to comfort, I think, some people who feel that um, I don't do much for God. God may use you intermittently or um, or maybe I didn't get serious about God until I got much older. You know, I, I, I comfort yourself understanding this as long as you did the will of God, you did the will of God. Did you know to do more and refuse to do it? Most people would say no. I was available. I wanted God to use me. I wanted to be used more. But but not. It, it's like the story. Remember the, the workmen that were hired at different times of the day? The, the ones that were up early risers. You know, they like to make all the money. Bless you. That's all I can say. <laughs> Be healed, be filled, be warmed. Amen. <laughs> and, and, and so they were, the, the Lord of the harvest said, are you going to work for this? And they said, yeah, we'll work for that. So then he kept walking and at noon he found some guys. They were, weren't busy. So he said, you want to come work in my field? Yeah. You work for so and so? Offer the same amount that the early ones. Yeah, we'll do it. And he went later on the day, hired some. Everybody's getting the same wages, even though some started earlier, worked in the hot sun. 
And there were some that, and then he finally got to a bunch, and it was like the 11th hour. And they said, why are you not working? And he said, no man would hire us. No man would hire us. No man. In my church, they wouldn't let women preach. But I was faithful. People in in my city lied about me and destroyed my church. And I got discouraged and quit. No man would hire me. See, there's always a man factor in everything. Huh? And and sometimes people make mistakes in ministry and their reputation never get it back again because they don't know how to find that place in God of total restoration. No man would hire me. And so there are a lot of us who are limited by what the public thinks about us. They didn't like prophets. They call me a witch everywhere I go. No man would hire me. You understand what I'm saying? People often have great power to poison your image and to pull people away from you. Huh? And you may be left with a little small remnant. Woo! I'm a ho, ha, ha, ha! Maybe that's who you're called to anyway. See, I'd rather work with the remnant faithful and put up with their nonsense and guff and gruff than a whole bunch of people who ain't going nowhere and will abandon me in a heartbeat because something fancier comes along that they think they like. So we all find our place eventually. But the good thing is God gave them just as much reward. You think God's really concerned about numbers? Now, if he's the one who's building your ministry, if he gives you large or small, he's the builder of it. So he's not impressed with your numbers because they're his numbers. And see, God has rebuked kings and killed people because they counted them. Let me just go on and finish reading this. I'm okay. <laughs> you know, we, we say things, we claim, oh, yeah, glory to God for, you know, but to, how many people do we, we have so and so and so and so and so we got 20,000 membership. That means it's some people that come in once and put their name down and keep moving. And maybe half of them show up every Sunday. So numbers are funny. They can speak well of you or they don't have to speak well of you. So Elijah is done with this ministry stuff he's had a fairly short run because if you look at (laughs) where he showed up at he's done maybe about three or four miracles but they because of the depth of anointing needed for them he's had to pay a heavy price for it 
We don't see how he's made. We don't see where he came from. He's just Elijah the Tishbite. No beginning, no end. He just appears out of nowhere. But I'll tell you something about the sudden appearing people, the flash people. They appear suddenly and then disappear just as quickly. But their trail is a blaze of power, nothing but straight power. They have paid a price in the secret place that nobody knows about. Because you don't walk in that, but you don't know God like that. Amen. Better than Moses. And so Elijah has to be the one to confront an evil king who is a warlock and his wife is a witch. So he has to confront them and prophesy to them that it's not going to rain. You've caused the drought. And it's only going to remove at my words. So in in other words, you're serving a false God and you think you got it going on. But I have the word of the Lord and I say it's not going to rain. And I say you got to keep me alive until I can turn the rain back on again. So you start running for your life. When you're running for your life, you have to depend 100% on God. You can't, and you may burn out real quickly living around a bunch of heathens and a bunch of witches and people who are coming and killing people just like you every day. So Elijah gets to the end of his run. And see, many people will try to look at this and say, well, Elijah was depressed and he was this and he was that. That man got taken up into heaven. How are you going to leave here? You're going to leave here in a coffin just like pretty much everybody else. So instead of criticizing him, why don't you try and figure out what he had going on? He wasn't scared of nobody. But people sense when their their job is done so he has a job that's done and then he calls elisha god tells him to do that in 19 first kings 19 verse 10 he said i've been very jealous for the god of lord god of hosts for the children of israel forsaken your covenant thrown down the altars and this man is you know he's pleading his heart to god he says i'm in trouble because I love you so much. And this whole nation has turned against you. And he says in in verse 11, he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind shook the mountains and broke it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not. Now see, all of these aspects of God are extremely powerful. And this is how Elijah was accustomed to talking to God. He was, this was normal for him. But now God changes it up. And it says here, um, when he is in verse 12 after the earthquake of fire but the lord was not in the fire and after the fire a still small voice and it was so when elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out 
and stood in the entering of the cave and behold there came a voice to him and said what are you doing here elijah he repeats again i've been very jealous for the lord of hosts before the children of israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars slain your prophets with a sword and i even i only am left and they seek my life to take it away and the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of uh, whatever that place is, you shall anoint to be prophet in your room. So in other words, God lets Elijah know your job is done. You're going to do some, some small things for me. He said, it'll come to pass that he that escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu shall slay, and so forth and so on. So the Lord begins to explain to Elijah the end of his ministry. He doesn't do it without calling up a new prophet to stand in the room to prophesy to the people for God. Verse 19. So he departed there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him and he with the twelfth and elijah passed by him and threw his mantle upon him that's how people were called in that time and it works now i can't tell you the people that i <laughs> oh yeah y'all better um jane uh tedesco pastor jane remember she came to the author's workshop and i had I had almost forgotten, except she had shown up the year before when her first husband was still alive. And they were believing God to heal him. And she said, you remember me? She said, you're the lady. I said, oh, my goodness. I often wondered what happened to you. And and so I had, you can see the difference in our size now, right? And so she, I had put my, I used to wear, well, I wear them now still, capes i call them mantles i call them whatever you know coats whatever and so god had me prophesy to her and uh, i just put my coat on her and it wasn't real cold outside and i left without it i didn't have an overcoat but i had like a long sleeve sweater on underneath and so sometimes you wonder what happens to people and she said i was drunk for three days after that she said, and I kept that coat. She said, I couldn't tell you where it is now. I might have given it to somebody. She said, but I remember when the kids were saying, Mom, go get the coat. If their problems came up in the household, Mom, go get the coat. You know, they knew the anointing was on that. And I'm telling you, if you believe for those things, if you just do the motion in the realm of the spirit, God will honor these things. Amen. And she said that before that experience because we did it in front of it was her church her pastor was there i think i went who was a sandy brown and uh you know <laughs> some of her stuff she gets into it was with her crowd of people and uh, uh sandy you know she was her health wasn't really good and so you know we had worked out she said she said now barb you just feel free now if if god gives you something for somebody you let me know and and we'll hear it you know she's one of them kind of people and so I honored that. I, I, you know, I felt, well, God, if you do give me something, I don't want to just, you know, not do what you want me to do. But that was one of the things. And Jane said that she was feeling prophecy come upon her from time to time. 
she said but the people ridiculed her they put her down they wouldn't receive she said but from that day forward she said the pastor respected me the people respected me everybody knew that my gift was legitimate from that day amen so many times god will use these things These things we see in the Bible and we see religious people get them and make fun of them. That's what makes me mad. Because they beat you doing it. You understand what I'm saying? I got so-and-so's mantle. You got fleas. Go take a bath. You know, it makes you mad. Oopsie, I didn't mean that. But you make it does. They might as well, because they got an itch. They you know, and they don't know how to scratch it. They're itching to do something. They're itching to be something. They're itching to boss somebody around. That's usually what it is. Tell everybody what to do. Huh? You left home, and your husband wouldn't let you boss them or him around. How you think you're gonna boss God's people around? So Elisha gets called to the ministry. This is how he's called. And Elijah, in verse 20, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, first, let me kiss my mother and father and I will follow you. And he said, go back again. And he says, I can't stop you. In other words, you got free will. And he turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oven and gave to the people and they did eat. So he's he's leaving them in peace. That covenant meal means that he leaves his household in peace. Kills the oxen because he don't want a job to come back to. He's serious about going with God. You got me? Sometimes God will kill stuff that used to feed you just so you don't have a way back to depending on man again. That job you used to have, scared to go back, fell out with everybody, huh? All that stuff. I let every license that I had, I let it lapse. God told me, see, you don't work for a man anymore. You work for me. I said, I can't even drop a patient every time. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Innocent acquitted whatever you want to call it no fingerprints no fingerprints on the thermometer (laughs) so Elijah is gifted as a prophet and it will cause him to have to make sacrifices so that the gift is purified biggest thing that trips up prophets oftentimes is using the gift for financial directly for financial gain you see Gehazi wanted money and Elisha told him he said is it time for us to receive a gift see you got to know what belongs to God what belongs to you what belongs to the people if you don't ever get that straightened out you're going to be a hot mess You know, there are a lot of people that aren't careful about money 
because they don't have the gifting that's going to get them in trouble with the money as much. You know what I'm saying. Um, pastors are are they live off the offerings of the people, and they're supposed to. Prophets are called to live supernaturally. I wouldn't trade trusting God for every penny that comes to me to trust in people. That's a downgrade to me. Huh? Now, I love y'all and all that, and I know y'all are good givers. Huh? Let me get this out of here, because I don't want to go in the big pocket in church. God might want it, so he can bless me. No thanks. No thanks. You understand what I'm saying? Now, not as far as dependency. Now, if God move on your heart to bless me, that's something totally different. But pastors frequently use this this phrase, and I hear them say it, my people take care of me. Huh? Oh, my people take good care of me. If y'all ever hear me say that, you take me right out of here and check me in somewhere. Huh? All y'all wanting Gucci's and Sloochies and smoothies and Starbucks. And <laughs> God even delivered me from depending upon my husband when he was alive. While he was alive. Because he knew the time would come when he would not be alive anymore. And then what am I going to do? Huh? No, I'm not a gold digger, okay? I, unless I find out you got some gold to dig. <laughs> oh, Lord. Woo. But God is my source, and I mean it. You know, while I'm trying to scheme on how to get something from some people, God can tell me 15 different ways to get stuff in my house. I need to be moving some of it out. Huh? He helps me with everything. Man, he'll help you with everything. He wants to. So Elisha gets rid of everything that would hold him back to his old job. And we know his history. He wound up with twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Amen. He was faithful over the school of the prophets, just like Elijah was. Did everything that God planned for him to do. He did not, however, get taken up into heaven. And that's kind of interesting when you think about it. If we think how many more miracles he did and all that stuff carnal minds want to keep up with. But God had such a bond with Elijah you know because of the great power that he imparted to him and that he was faithful over that God honored him by not letting him see death amen it's a wonderful thing sacrifice is worth it folks it's all about how you end up many times in God's kingdom all about how you you end up 
So Elijah, we know, uh, was mentoring Elisha. And there was a sacrifice toward the end of Elijah's life that Elisha had to participate in in order to get the anointing that he needed. And I think that's in Second Kings chapter 2. This, of course, was not the end of Elijah's ministry. He went on to smoke some people before he left the earth. That's in Second Kings 1. There were some soldiers that came to capture him. And he was standing uh, atop a mountain in a safe distance between him and the soldiers that were coming to capture him. And they called out to him. They said, oh, man of God, come down. Come down. See, that's the main thing the enemy wants us to do. Once you've made a decision for God, you've made the sacrifices to get the anointing, then they want you to come down to their level so that you can compromise it, you can let it go, you can do this, you can do that. When we first were starting the ministry, we got in Cleveland, people didn't bother us so much you know not different devils in different places with different purposes so we were able to fight off most of what was trying to keep us down here and i go to detroit there's a whole new strategy who's your covering now when we were in cleveland we wanted people to like us you know, I would have loved to be a little faithful sheep sitting somewhere like just feed me. We got, well, we get kicked out everywhere we went, chased out. They see us at the door. No, you can't come in here. Whatever. So then up there, I'm like, loved. <laughs> Getting to know me. <laughs> Until you get close to people and you find out it's the same old devil with a different disguise. Who's your covering? Well, to them, covering means somebody that you kiss up to just to be a part of their organization and give them 10% of everything that comes in. And I said, well, Jesus is my God. Oh, we heard that before. I said, well, it's true. I said, God told me to do what I'm doing. Well, he told us all to do. I said, yeah, but the difference between me and you is I got it personal from him. See, when you get it personal from God, you don't go back on it. And you don't let anybody talk you out of it. Because it's in there. See, a lot of the things that I believed as a brand new Christian were already in there. So religion couldn't pull it out. Huh? So I found out what they meant by covering is you let go of what you're doing. You come hook up with us because we're stronger than you are. You need us. We don't need you. Well, you don't get involved with anybody like that. I mean, it was cute boys in school that I wouldn't take that deal. 
And they was cute too. They had no money, but <laughs> I am not a gold digger. <laughs> like they say, Jeffrey Epstein didn't commit suicide. Right. That's the word of the day. But you know what I'm talking about. So there was a new strategy of the enemy to get you to come down. God's already elevated you or they wouldn't be after you. See, if I weren't anointed by God, they'd find some fake thing to call me. And then they really got you. If they can announce you to be a, a bishop and get you to do all, go through all the bishop steps and paying at each step. So Elijah did not come down and he said this. He said, if I be a man of God, let me rain fire from heaven. Huh? And fire fell. Amen. Each, each time they came, verse 9, then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50. And he went up to him and behold, he sat on the top of a hill and he spoke to him, thou man of God, the king has said, come down. Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. So all he's doing is confirming their words to him. So Elijah, you can see, is a man of great power, but if the enemy ever gets a hold of him, his fate won't be good. So God in his mercy takes him up to heaven without a scratch on him. He was never apprehended. He was never arrested because he had power to extricate himself from the hand of the enemy by destroying them with fire from heaven. You don't get that kind of power with God just casual, you know, Sunday, Wednesday. You understand? Oh, I know. Yeah. And a little background music, worship music in between in your car. You got me? You don't get that like that. You get that by sacrifice, leaving all. Huh? See, we don't see the process, but the evidence is there. See, what we're looking for is evidence. There's evidence here of a man of great sacrifice. You don't know he has a family, no wife, no kids, no nothing. He's just him with God. Why? Because it's necessary. You might live in a day and time, spiritually speaking, when it's necessary for people to leave all and forsake everything that this world loves for the sake of being obedient to God. Amen? Many people have family that is estranged. They don't know where they are. Cling to God. That's my recommendation to anybody. You understand what I'm saying? Just cling to God. There's a purpose for your sacrifice. Now, whether they were taken away from you or whether you left them, it's still a sacrifice. You understand what I'm saying? God will receive it either way if you talk to him about it. So here, Elijah is following the man of God. Elijah has to stay alive because Elisha has not received the anointing that he needs. 
This is why Elisha covets what Elijah had. In fact, he coveted a double amount of it. Because he could see situations that were brewing that he would get involved in. And he would say, Dag, I need that. And then one day he said, no, I don't just need that. I need something else. See, if you're one of those people in God's kingdom who can look at what you know to be power in your lifetime and say, yeah, I need that. And then you can look again and say, you know what? For the kind of stuff that's happening, they're murdering babies in the womb. They're going to say they'll let you be born first and then they murder you. They pull them out limb by limb. If you're not asking for double, triple, quadruple, you might be the one that stumbles into the OB unit or wherever they do them. You know, they do them in these clinics mostly now because of the money factor. But they do them in hospitals too. You might be the one that stumbles in there and stops the whole show with the word of the Lord. And if you don't think you're going to need double, triple, and quadruple, huh? <laughs> well, look to get fired at least, if not sued. But who's your lawyer? See, we're used to living comfortable with the power of God. But at any given point, God can turn that fire up and have you smoking people left and right and you won't even, you thought you was just being nice to them. You understand what I'm saying? They'll be smoking running from you and you'll understand why. It's necessary. It's not just upset people. But it's to save their lives. God's got to have people who are willing to just follow him and forsake everything. He tells us to do it in the Bible. But many are called but few chosen. The chosen ones are the ones that that are given everything and follow him with everything that's in them. You know seeker friendly churches don't preach like this. They tell jokes. Oh, you heard the one about the. Be happy. This is your best life. Why? How do you know what I'm after? Maybe it's your best. But see, my best is the will of God for me every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm ashamed of myself. I don't pursue him more frequently. I have too much Facebook going on. I have, you understand, I could be, huh? Anything you love requires sacrifice. Huh? New parents are shocked at how much time they have to spend with it. Sweet little screaming person that they just brought home. No sleep, red eyes. And then you do it over again. Huh? Because you love. 
love of God will do that to us. It's supposed to do. It's supposed to cause us to want to abandon and abandon everything else that's not in line with love. That's not in line with with pursuing him. You can't pursue him and take a bunch of stuff with you. As I tell people, you know, the come as you are, that means all the time. People think it just means the first time when you get saved. Come as you are. Come as you are all the time. You know, I used to think I had to have people go with me to every meeting I enjoyed. I got to get people to go with me, go with me. And I realized one day God called you. Now, I'm not against people. You know, I'm always telling y'all bring people. But for some people, it's a security. They can't go anywhere unless somebody is encouraging them. And well, those days are over. Huh? God wants you by yourself, stripped down of all your pretense, of all your your nice, polite Christian words, all your nice, polite Christian manners. Huh? All of it. He loves you just the way you are. And he is here to change everything about you for the good. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing good now. Ooh, not like you going to do. You get closer to God, you're going to be doing real good. huh? It may not look like it for a season. But at the end of, end of the process, you'll be doing good. And you know what? He'll take you to the process, through the process again. You got me? But at the end of it, you'll come out with something that you never had before. That the devil can't stop. And every time it manifests in your life, you'll be so thankful. God, I am thankful that I didn't listen to them crazy religious people and hook up with some weird ministry trying to make a name for myself. Huh? All that nonsense. The people who are trying to to, uh, capture our ministry tried every trick they could from ridicule, telling people stay about to stay away from us, all that kind of stuff. You know what happened to, to the overseer? He wound up getting sued by somebody he thought he was casting a devil out of. And they didn't like him touching them and they didn't like the language he used and they sued him and won. Had to pay him God's money. And for he was on probation where he could not touch anybody in his congregation. His wife had to lay hands on people. You can't take what belongs to God, folks. You'll learn to keep your hands to yourself. You'll learn to mind your own business. And I'm not saying that to draw any kind of attention to me, but I'm telling you, keep what's valuable in you valuable. Don't cheapen it. Consecrate it to God. Let God be in total control over it. And let the devil's people come and try and take it, but you don't come down. You don't come down to their level. You stay with God. It's a sacrifice, but you stay with him. It's well worth it. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know what's required in this life. Father, I thank you. That you give me grace to, to speak truth to your people. And we're not playing here. 
Because you're not playing with us. You have great things in store for us to manifest your glory through us in this life while we yet live. So we thank you for it, Lord, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God.